Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Hi there and welcome to the podcast, to the Jane Anderson Show. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here and to be able to share our very special guest this week. Uh, in this podcast, as you know, we always have a catch up and we talk about, we talk to people, particularly more often than not, women who are building their own consulting practices and how you might be able to learn from them and some of the strategies that they've implemented, particularly after they've been in our community and some of the things that they have done. So um, if you would like to keep up to date on some of the podcasts that are coming out, make sure you jump onto the website, jane-anderson.com. You're welcome to join our community. You'll receive updates and tips and suggestions on some of the things that you can do to be able to particularly increase your influence, which is around really growing your consulting practice. Uh, and also find out about things like upcoming events and different things like that, particularly that are coming up in 2022. Um, so in the meantime, uh, I'm going to introduce you uh, to our incredible guest today. Our guest today is a woman called Ali Nitschke. Ali Nitschke is a leadership communication expert. She's based in Adelaide and she really collaborates with organisations to help them really build what, are called, what she calls courageous leadership and to help them um, employees and team members and anyone in the organisation have really courageous conversations and really get themselves into thinking boldly and courageous mindset. Um, her goal is to help people have the confidence to have those types of conversations. She spent over 15 years working as a leader and with leaders. She's an absolute rock star speaker. She also happens to be a mother of four young boys. <laughs> and she is extraordinary to watch. The four young boys are all under eight. And how she does her practice and how she makes it all happen is truly extraordinary. Um, she's a bit of a dance floor junkie as well. She was actually a ballerina in a past life, a uh, professional dancer. And um, so she really gets being uh, on the stage and being able to perform and to engage audiences. Um, uh, her clients really also get her to come and help and give them, you know, a bit of an alley fix. She's got a real incredible energy and essence around her that people just, she just really naturally draws people to her. Um, but what she does is she she has this incredible non-judgment about her. So she um, really gets that people struggle with saying you know that fear that leaders have around saying the wrong things sometimes or leaders might be putting out fires and rather than trying to work on their um you know really growing their people and she works around the performance of culture and having some of those difficult conversations uh, she's currently working on her book her book will be come out very soon which is around the rise of the courageous leader um, and uh, she helps them sort of get over that discomfort of having some of those difficult conversations. She shows incredible compassion, empathy, and all those traits that you really want to be able to include sometimes in your own courageous conversations. 
What I love most about Ali is her ability to wing it. Uh, she walks her talk, so she has, you know, that confidence. She has this incredible charm and courage, and you're just in awe of how she makes everything look so effortless and easy and, uh, and yet being able to really help you to know what to say. She's super practical. Um, so make sure you keep an eye out for her on stages in 2022. But today, in the meantime, I'm thrilled to be able to share her with you. Uh, please enjoy the podcast in today's episode with Ali Nitschke. I would love to hear your insights and what you learn. So please reach out to me, send me a message on the website or jane at jane-anderson.com.au. I would love to hear what you learn and, uh, and to be able to help you keep in touch uh, for any future ones. Okay, enjoy the podcast. All right. Hi there, Ali, and welcome. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. I have been so excited about interviewing you because you are truly extraordinary with the business of practice you've created. And I've been dying to get under the bonnet with you. You know, we see these amazing, you've been awarded uh, top 10 podcasts, top five podcasts, top five, yeah. top five in Australia. <laughs> you know, you just seem to be putting all this amazing content out and you're doing some really incredible stuff. You're on stages, um, writing your blogs. You've got a book coming. Wow. So I'm keen to, uh, thanks for your time today. And I just really wanted to take the opportunity to jump on and, uh, and go, oh my God, how does she do this? So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> um, Ali, you've built an incredible practice and you're on this like extraordinary trajectory. Um, and uh, are you happy to share with us a bit about your practice? Like, because you're in Adelaide, yeah? Yes. And so, you know, I think sometimes we think, oh, you can only do it if you're in a capital city that's like Melbourne and Sydney or, but um, yes, I'd love to know how did you get into this? How did it all start? How you, um, and what's your been your big driver behind starting your practice? I love it. Thank you so much for um, having me today as well, Jane. I'm so honoured to be on your podcast and amongst the amazing guests that you've already had. I think I mentioned to you the other day, I've been binging all through <laughs> your podcast. So uh, I'm feeling a bit special getting to be getting to be in, uh, in that list as well. So yes, I am in Adelaide. And for anyone who's uh, lived in Adelaide or uh, does live in Adelaide, we've got a bit of a, a small town I guess mentality, one of the things we're most famous for is, uh, you know, they talk about the six degrees of separation, whereas in Adelaide, it's, it's really only two. Everyone right. knows someone who knows someone who went to school with someone's cousin. So it is, it's an interesting space when, um, when I first entered into this world of thought leadership and, and building my own practice, because I thought, oh, well, who's going to pay attention to me from little old Adelaide? Needless to say, over the last 12 <laughs> months, my uh, my mindset has shifted somewhat. Uh, it turns out that Adelaide's actually quite big and there is opportunity all over the place. And that's only becoming more and more prolific and prominent, uh, you know, in the last 12 months. There's definitely a lot happening here. But also, yeah. I think one of the big things, and I know, you know, the last 18 months, two years has been pretty an pretty interesting space for anyone who's a speaker who's on stages who's you know normally delivering something face to face is uh, just it's a big world it's a big big world yeah. so no longer are we restricted by flight times and borders and all of those things we've got this beautiful opportunity where we can jump online and connect with anyone around the world and I've certainly found that to be amazing to be amazing to be able to access people internationally uh, that I wouldn't normally come across or even reach out to. So that's been pretty yeah. phenomenal. Uh, how did I get started? Well, 
interestingly, uh, you, you know, but I've got four young children at home and I started mm. my practice when my youngest was six weeks old. So wow. six weeks still on my shoulder. And I was like, you know what? I've got four, I've got four boys. Um, <laughs> I know, right? Nuts. Uh, so they're at the moment, they're eight, six, four and three. So very, wow. very young now. Um, but when my little guy, Eddie, was a teeny tiny baby, I was just thinking, the nine to five is not designed for women in the workplace. Um, I was working in the federal government and had been there for a number of years, but felt underutilized, had kind of, you know, by the time I went on mat leave and then went back off of mat leave and then worked full time. And, and I found the juggle okay, but it wasn't really what I wanted my life to, to look like. And uh, right. my business made for more was essentially me standing there holding a six-week-old baby and um, I was applying for a new role uh, at the time and I spoke right. to my husband Alex and he was like you know what babe it's not the end of your chapter like you're you still, you still got some life left in you and I'm like <laughs> oh right and I realized right then that um, my career to date in the public sector probably hadn't quite reached the peak that I was hoping to achieve and you know now, now that we'd finished having children I was like right game on so started my practice early on uh, with my little guy and since then it's been a, a huge huge learning curve so before I was in um, in the public sector I was working privately banking and finance have worked across many different industries and sectors along my time um, but getting started I think it's you know it's such a cliche but you just have to get started. You just have to go. You just have to go. And uh, I think probably one of the, the biggest lessons for me in terms of building my practice, so we work now with leaders, organisations, teams around, mostly around courage, so courageous leadership, mm. courageous women, courageous conversations, courageous teams, all of the, the courage pieces that come into what we would normally identify as soft skills, air quotes. Um but I didn't have a background as a HR manager, which I think predominantly a lot of a lot of thought leaders in the leadership space yes. and team space have that background, whereas I didn't have that. So all of my learning, all of my business is based on real life experience. And I have had right. a diverse, <laughs> diverse <laughs> range of uh, great, great teams, not so great teams, great leadership, not so great leadership and drawing on all of that and going, how can we? make leadership better for people um, around the world. And that's really where I'm up to these days. Awesome. So tell us, um, you know, when you started your practice, so you started out and then um, I, what happened? Did you just start getting clients? They just sort of heard about you or did you have to start contracting or like how did you actually get all this off the ground and, and start to become as busy as you are today? <sighs> yes. Excellent question. No, they did not just magically <laughs> fall in my lap. That would have would have been nice. And naively, I kind of thought that's what would happen. You know, you whack a logo right. up and be like, hey, I'm doing this now. But um, <laughs> no, they didn't come from nowhere. So I think probably for the first 12 months of my business, so we've just turned three, yeah. um, the first 12 months, I really only dipped my toe in and kind of messed around with it a bit, spent a lot of time doing things that didn't result or didn't get really any results, whether it was revenue, whether it was clients, whether it was moving my thought leadership. It was really only actually when I, I accidentally met you at um, a PSA event. And I, I know we've talked about this before. So um, 
one of someone that we both follow, Rowdy, Rowdy McLean. I know um, he's a close friend of yours. Yeah. Um, I'd connected with him on Instagram and saw that he was coming to Adelaide. And I was like, oh, great. You know, I want to get one of your books. Can you bring it over? Having no idea really who he was or what this PSA, so Professional Speakers Association was. Yes. And rocked in to um, anyone in Adelaide. It was at the Arkabar. Uh, rocked in and it was the national wasn't it the national speaking yeah, the conference national so there was all of these like amazing speakers and it was like an actual association for speakers and I was like what is happening here like who are these people and where have you been my whole life um so that was like super inspiring I was like yes these are the kind of people I need to be around which was really the introduction into the whole idea of thought leadership so my whole life I've been told I have too many ideas and just to like calm down and you know, focus on one thing and my little mind's like ping, 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 ping. But what about if we do this? And what about this? And what do I think about that? Right. Uh, so falling into PSA where they were like, yes, develop your ideas. Um, I was home and you right. were one of the speakers actually on that day. It was a very, right. it was a very short one, but you're talking about content. And one of the things that you said, you might not actually remember this was um, during your your speech, you said something along the lines of, oh, you need somewhere to capture your monkeys. And I was like, oh my God my monkeys are out of control. I need my monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's probably when we started working together in content club, I think is yeah, when it first started. Right. So really developing that thought leadership and going, what, like, what are my ideas and what do I really think about this whole, this whole leadership thing? Right. And uh, it took a bit of courage, which is ironic <laughs> since I talk Sorry. about courage to put those ideas out there because I think we're conditioned too much to go, what's everyone going to think and what if I'm wrong and what if what I'm saying is not right and what I'm learning still learning is that it doesn't matter because it's my perspective and it's my experience and it's my take on what I think needs to happen next and what I think is coming up and it's really validating to have that perspective so really that's where it all started with you thank you thank you very much Oh, and since I'm just in awe on the sidelines. Just oh, going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's very mutual, very, very mutual. So I think that's really where it started is unpacking ideas. Right. And I think when you start unpacking your ideas, you become more and more clear on what it is that, like what my, from my perspective, what it is that I do that's impactful to other people, what it is that leaders need from my perspective to be able to help help elevate them. You know, some of the things that I'm most known for is around courageous conversations. So that's something that comes quite naturally to me. Yeah. And when we go, okay, well, what is that? And how do I talk about that? Then when I started doing this content and and developing my content, my ideas and publishing my weekly newsletters on LinkedIn and, and getting that cadence into effect is really when I sort of started to see that shift in people coming to me and being saying oh I read that article that you wrote or I heard that podcast that you were a guest on or that you held I'm really interested how do we work together and that's when I started to see a big shift right so the actual coming up with the ideas or being present with your ideas having yeah. a way to capture them and getting them down somewhere and then yep. developing them and and not just developing but then actually publishing and getting it out so I know you run you've recently won uh, been awarded in the top five podcasts in Australia for your Made For More podcast and you interview a massive range of people and talk all about courage in their lives and when when they've been challenged in the most you know challenging times and then finding their courage and how they've gone about that you have uh, what I love about what you're doing with this is almost like um it's the research that you're doing and building, you know, this whole um, bank of knowledge and advancing the thinking 
around that um, whole courage message. What I and I what I love about you said before, your practice is unique in that you really narrow in on that courage message. And whether it's courageous leaders, courageous teams, courageous women, you do some work around the diversity space, particularly women who are yeah. building their courage and courageous communication, if I want to speak on stages. So you've really narrowed into that courage space and then gone, okay, I can work with a variety of people and you're starting to build your practice that way, yeah? Yeah. Um, yep. And what do you think have been the biggest things that you've, you've implemented like you know through the time over the uh, that we've worked together you've done an incredible amount of work like you've published your podcast you have um you've been out selling programs to organizations like we're talking multiple five figure programs you've got um conversations happening with heading into six and some involvement in some seven figure ones um, but you know, when starting out, like particularly in this last, say, two years, and what do you think has been the biggest thing out of all those things that you've done, list building, speaking on stages, knowing how to build the list from a stage, mm. um, the collateral, value propositions, how to, how to sell, all those things that you've implemented over the last 12 months. What do you think, or even is it just, or even a mindset around what yeah. have been the big things that have been the shifts for you, do you think? All, all of those things <laughs> I, I think it's kind of works a little bit like a snowball effect so I think content certainly unpacking the content and my thoughts around my thoughts okay. um, really boosted my confidence which meant I put myself out there a lot more and then I think something that we've worked together quite closely on and within your women with influence uh, community is just that value like valuing yourself valuing your expertise it you know, for a long time there, my internal monologue or my itty bitty shitty committee was like, you know, you're brand new and what do you think you're doing? And um, wasn't particularly helpful. Uh, but then a big shift that I had was, well, you know, you've been doing this for nearly 20 years and yeah. actually <laughs> you probably do know a little <laughs> bit of something. Um, so I think it's that, that mindset, getting getting over yourself essentially and just going, you know, it's not about you. Yes. Um, and then another big one has been just the cadence. So the regularly showing up, you know, the content that we do each month, um, you know, like our regular cadence around what's going out there, what are we talking about, what are the programs that we're talking about and having that having that all in in your calendar and going okay well it's you know it's Tuesday this is what we do on Tuesdays and now it's Friday and here's what we do on a Friday that's okay. been huge um particularly the the IP the collateral so all of the brochures around the products um the products and the programs that I sell and that we sell here and right. how how that all fits in together so all around you know that all, all of the work that we've done together has has just been huge and I think just pulling it all together whereas when I first started it was very much a scattergun approach I didn't really have any strategy in fact I think I joked to you often that um, I think I might have some strategy now um, that's that's been huge going okay well what am I doing for this quarter what am I doing for the whole of you know next year 2022 we're just starting yeah. to plan um, and then going right what what do I need to do to make that happen whereas previously it was very much in a reactive space and, and you, to use your own words, um, order taking, whereas now I'm going, okay, well, here's, here's what people need. Here's what I'm really good at. Here's how, here's how we deliver it. And here's the collateral and the IP and the, the information that goes behind it as yeah. well. Um, I love that, Ali, because, 
you know, a big part of it, sometimes we're often too, just too close to our own stuff, aren't we? Like we yeah. go, oh, but I do this all the time. We've been doing it for 20 years. Like, you know, yeah, I'll just jump in. I remember one of our very first conversations, which, which was around a series of um, uh, webcasts, I think, which was, um, or no, it was not webcasts, it was face-to-face -face events and they're all sort of an hour each. And going, well, hold on, you know, if you do an hour of that, that's like in the middle of the day, you can't sell yeah anything else for the day and now you're only doing like if you're doing that for two hundred dollars you've just only sold a two hundred dollar day it's not a two hundred dollar an hour yeah thing um and i know you've worked so hard on just getting those value propositions right and and knowing your worth um one of the questions i had for you around you know it, and being in brisbane i always think brisbane is a little bit like adelaide in that you know we i think the price points and around every market is a bit different and the clients and the industries are different but it's really easy to go on oh, you know um all the big clients are in sydney and melbourne yeah you know, and i remember one of our early conversations around people in adelaide just don't spend <laughs> i don't think there are any clients for me in adelaide yeah um, and you know regardless of the where you live i think brisbane's a big one perth that can come up and even other cities for those who are listening you know thinking i don't have any clients in my city or you know people in our our city just don't spend any more than five thousand dollars a day they the market won't bear that um what are your thoughts on that for those like if someone's sitting there thinking that and you think back to what you've uncovered as a result of you know having those conversations and going out and talking to people what are you noticing and and what's changed for you in your thinking around that those sort of limits on price points and day rates i would love to say that it's been you know like an overnight <laughs> shift <laughs> it has been teeny tiny incremental steps the entire way and you've been there for the journey of me going oh, i've just increased my price a little bit and you're like nope still too cheap still too cheap yeah. um i think one of the biggest shifts for me has um, actually been the feedback from my clients. So when, you know, I, I ran a program recently and there was a, an eclectic group of leaders from all over the organisation, so different divisions of the organisation, and there was one woman here in the group and she would have been probably how I would describe like the most experienced, had, you know, done various roles, been a GM in multitude of, of companies. And um, she took me aside at the end of the program. She was like, that is the best leadership program I've ever done. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I thought I was telling you to suck eggs. She was like, no, absolutely not. And I think we're probably, and women as well, are conditioned to go, oh, you know, don't be silly. That's ridiculous. And um, I've decided to start taking some of those compliments at face value and recognising that actually, I'm having a huge impact, which is, you know, which is the whole aim of the game, right? To impact yeah. leaders. But listening to that and taking that and receiving that um, that feedback has really elevated me to go, yeah, it's okay to charge more. It's okay to charge a premium price because people are getting premium results, a premium experience, a premium network. And, and, and I think it has been, you know, I'm doing my hands up and down, like, you know, they're yeah. racing. Um, it has been one of those, those journeys where it's had to be incremental, but just yeah. listening to listening to the the um, friendly mirrors, as they say, of what people are, are going with. Yes. And yeah, having having and recognising other people within um, within the community, within my network that are doing amazing stuff. You know, we're not talking about $5,000 days. You know, some of the women are, are signing multi-six and multi-million dollar deals. And you're like, oh, well, if they can do it, then I can probably do it as well. And um, firing the clients that 
were only prepared to pay those low lower dollar days or lower dollar pieces and going, how can we package it up so that it's, you know, a longer program or multiple programs or, you know, instead of it being a one day lunch and learn, um, how can we sell eight or 10 or whatever yeah. it happens to be? So, yeah, stretching my thinking around how can we bundle it up differently? Right. So thinking about not just, oh, I'm here to just sell this day thing is what's the actual problem yep. that they've got and well, can that be solved in a day? Probably not. Um, but, you know, it's, I guess what I've noticed is that difference in thinking between, oh, they just need this thing versus, and that's when the lower price points kick in versus, well, hang on, what are you actually trying to solve here? Yeah. And what's the journey that I need to articulate to take you on that? And then being able to say, well, to do something like that mm. is, well, that's going to take, six months or that's going to take 12 months or that's going to take three months and instead you've got the shift from a four thousand dollar program to a forty thousand dollar program and it's not about trying to sell a forty thousand dollar thing it's more well let's focus on what problem we're actually trying to solve here first because we're not here to rip a client off and just sell forty thousand dollar deals just for the sake of it and just take people's money is to be able to go well actually you know, or to go, I want to sell this $40,000 thing. You go, well, okay, well, what's the problem with something? Oh, I don't know. I just want to sell $40,000 thing. Yeah. (laughs) So you've taken, you've put a lot of work and energy effort into, like, I love that you think so much about your customer. Every time we've talked, you've talked so deeply about the world that they're in and the problems that they're having or the experiences, but also the opportunities that are there for them. You know, and what I also love about what you're saying is that, um it there's also some of these clients that you've worked with have also been not-for-profits so Mm. you know it's really easy to fall into oh well not-for-profits don't spend or they you know or you know the assumptions that we have in our practices people in Adelaide don't buy not-for-profits don't buy or no one's got budget you know all these stories that we tell ourselves you've blown all those myths out of the water yeah (laughs) Uh, yes assumptions (laughs) and um by going out and just finding out you've also done um a bit of speaking are you happy to share like because you did quite a big event Adelaide fortunately hasn't had the lockdowns that some of the other cities have had um tell us about your speaking and what kind of um uh you know what kind of impact that's had for your practice particularly over the last couple of years yeah absolutely I think I mean I love speaking in fact way back when I was in my early leadership years, so I was maybe 21, 22, I had a coach um, back then as part of the development that I was going through. And I was like, you okay. know what, I just want to be a motivational speaker. They probably said the wrong thing, actually. They were like, well, you will never be able to do that right now. You need more experience and, you know, you don't have any life stories. And I'm thinking, oh, I've done quite a bit in my short <laughs> amount of time. But I think one of the things I love about speaking so much is I spent my entire childhood on a stage. So I was a professional ballet dancer before I started real work, air quotes again. So I actually love and thrive in that performance, in that stage, the anticipation, the excitement, all of that. So I love it. I'm definitely in my element. And being able now to have a huge impact on a, on a large audience over an hour 45 minute keynote um, and just be able to trigger some different thinking, trigger some action to have for the people that are in that audience is remarkable, um, remarkable to me. And I think because 
the, what's the question? How much has it impacted? Yeah. I think it's it's been impactful because, you know, it's, it's a pretty big deal. A lot of preparation goes into your keynote. You want to have like bang as much great things in there as you possibly yeah. can in a short amount of time without overwhelming people. Um, but what I've noticed from a practice perspective is particularly some audiences is the, the flow on effect that happens afterwards. You know, I'm there to do a 45 minute keynote. Next minute I was, you know, hearing from the person I was sitting next to at the events, sister's cousin who's in Sydney that wants to talk and, you know, had heard about it. And I think uh, it's been great from a positioning perspective, which I didn't kind of, you know, got a little bit caught up in, you know, being on the stage. Um, from a positioning perspective, I love it. So there's always that, um, you know, the high of coming off the stage. But being able to share your message with as many audiences as possible and then, yeah, being being a speaker, I think, is great from a brand positioning. Right. And, you know, even just building that list, like what was the size? There was a big audience that you spoke to in mm. Adelaide and you came off stage. I remember you going, <laughs> yeah. what am I supposed to do with all these people? Yeah. Because um, uh, um, you got some good systems in place. Are you happy to share a bit about like kind of that process? Because were you going to do lead gen going into that event? Were you, or were you just thinking, I'll just go in and present and go, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want the real, real answer or the fake answer? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've spoken a lot and before I kind of realised the importance of building your list, um, I kick myself now for how many times I've spoken and had great feedback, but never ever to see these people again. So having a bit of a game, this little word strategy in there uh, has been a real game changer. And it's made me, I guess, think about where I want people to go and what I want them to do and take away uh, after the event. So having something in place, whether it's a opt-in or an SMS burst or a, hey, you know, I, I do a daily dose of courage, which people love. Um, but how do we get those people in the audience that are connecting on the list so that we can keep connecting with them through those weekly, that cadence of the weekly newsletters, keep them engaged um, because they want to find out more. Most people that you hear that you are like, yes, actually, that was amazing. They want to know more about it. They're curious about it. We've elevated their thinking in some way. Uh, and I just think, you know, keep that connection going. Yeah. 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 It's always, you know, Keith Abraham talks about speaking. He always says, well, today's the start of a conversation. And, uh, and you know, I think and Dave Stoughton would say, presenting about get them hot and horny <laughs> I want to know more like you've now got me like my elevated thinking you've got me you know thinking more and now now how do I get to learn more where where do I access more and um so being able to build that awareness isn't it getting out in front of those audiences where they you would never otherwise cross paths with perhaps some of these people these people are hard to access but you've been so um uh you know and, and speaking's not for everybody but if you can work out your version of that and work out the audiences, you know, in your case, you know that you're, here's your message and you can work across a multiple, you know, groups of uh, types of audiences, then it pay, makes sense to go out and speak to plenty of those people to build that list that way. Um, if someone was sitting here listening to you, and oh, so before I say that, um, you often talk about Ed Milet. I know you're a big fan of his. Um, yeah. And I think something that, what's the quote that you often say uh, that he says it's just about the echo? 
Yeah, so he's got a great podcast. Um, it's called The Ed Milet Show, but one of his episodes, and I heard it ages ago, it's called The Echo of Life. Right. And in that podcast episode, highly recommend it. I'll, put the, I'll send you the link so you can okay. put it in the notes for anyone who's interested, yes. is he talks about, similar to what Keith Abraham says, is, you know, whatever effort you're putting in now, you'll see the benefits and reap the rewards of that at some stage in the future. You just don't know when it's going to be. So whether it's 30 days, whether it's 60 days, whether it's 96 months, whatever happens yeah. to be but putting in the effort for your future like put your effort in now for yeah. your future results later and that's something that I'm always reminded of whenever you know uh in this thought leadership practice when you're running your own business you, there is the peaks and the troughs and the, and the bit of the roller coaster but yes. putting in the effort now for tomorrow's benefit you know when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago when's yeah. the next time to do the work right now um and I, I love his take on it, just the way that he explains the importance of doing it even when you don't feel like it, because at yeah. some stage it's going to catch up with you and yeah. at some stage you're going to see it. And, you know, for my own, I guess, personal experience, that's been really true. The more I put my foot down on the accelerator, turns out that uh, turns up the dial, you know, whether it's three months later, six months later, 12 months sometimes as well. Yeah, I think you're a great example of, you know, as you said, Keith Abraham talks about um, activity solves inactivity. And if something, if nothing's happening, make something happen. Don't sit yeah. around and wait and complain that it's not happening. Like put something on. So you've done things like you've put breakfasts on yeah. um, where you've created events for your ideal clients to come along. You've shared your IP. They get to connect with each other. Um, that's building leads. Um, your podcast is a good example. The content you're putting out, your newsletter, you've got a book coming soon. You know, all those things and doing it with four little boys <laughs> um, and being an amazing mum, just trying to, you know, you're we're all in awe of just how you do it. But you've brought on support over the last 12 months. Um, so you've engaged people like VAs and now started to be able to get some things and some systems in place and delegating so that you can get those in place. So you come off stage, right, here's the leads, we get those in the system, what's the follow-up, all those types of things that are starting to happen now. So yep. that, um, like you said, you've got strategy and systems so that you can wing it <laughs> and do all the other creative stuff that you, you can um, be creative because you know all those things are in place. Yeah. Um, if someone was listening to this, Ali, and they were saying, oh, my God, Ali is so me, <laughs> that is me to a T, um, what advice would you have for them, like, if you had your time again or if you could, you know, if you're in your shoes 12 months ago and you wish you'd done anything differently, uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, Really good question. And I think um, just to caveat my response, please don't think I'm doing this all by myself. Um, mm -hmm. As Jay mentioned, I do have an incredible team uh, who are good at all the things that I'm not good at, which I think is a really important thing is find people that fill your gaps because yes. I'm, I'm not interested in attention to detail. I'm not interested in learning how to systemize and automate and data entry and the things that don't light me up. Yeah. Um, there are people on my team that love it, like absolutely love it. So I think finding people around you that, can support your weaknesses, so to speak. Um, and also for those other women who are trying to juggle work-life balance, I also have an incredible husband who does a lot. You know, we're 50-50 in all things, right. um, which does make a huge difference. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. So just to caveat, I don't do all of the things um, all of the time. <laughs> I have people. I have people around me that are incredible. But I think one of the or a few pieces of advice for anyone who's, you know, um, a baby alley or in, in that stage is find a really great coach. I um, 
I jumped in early on, but I think finding someone who is doing what you're doing and doing it at an exceptional level is really important. Uh, building a community around you. So um, if you've uh, worked with Jane or heard any probably of our other podcasts talking about Dunbar's model of who's on your panel of advisors or your advisory panel, that is so important. And I think mostly to get out of your own echo chamber like it's really easy to get stuck in your own thinking and being surrounded by people who haven't elevated their thinking or they've kind of you know reached their pinnacle so having people on your advisory panel that can stretch you and when you're going holy moly whoa then you probably found the right people to go yeah I want to hang out with them a little bit more Um, and I think you know having that cadence in place as well whether it's your cadence on newsletters cadence on um, putting publishing things, doing the work and just sticking to five things a day to get done. We tend to, as women, particularly write huge to-do lists that take longer to write than they do to execute. So just focus on what's important uh, is my advice. Yeah, I love it. So um, get the right mentor, get the community around you, cadence and rhythms particularly around thinking publishing newsletters that kind of stuff and I love this these five things a day just yeah. you can't do everything in a day but just choose your top five yeah yep. of what yep. you get done and prioritize yeah yep. hot tip email's not one of them <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely as soon as you can get that one outsourced and delegated the better um thank you so much for jumping on if people want to follow you Ali what where would you like them to go yeah, sure. I hang out mostly on LinkedIn. That's my place. So you can find me, Ali Nitschke. I'll spell it because it's tricky. It's uh, N-I-T-S-C-H-K-E. But I would love to connect on there um, as well. So, yeah, thank you very much. If anyone's interested in some more stuff around courageous conversations, we've got a little guide um, that we're trying to spread far and wide so that people can have those tough conversations. So that's madeformore.com.au forward slash courage and i'll send you a copy of that so you can follow along great we'll pop it in the notes so everybody can access that as well and download it so that would be terrific thank you so much for being part of the day and uh and we hope to have you on again next year when we're celebrating bigger milestones even (laughs) yes thank you so much and thank you always for your expertise and generosity i uh i love being part of your community and having you on my own panel so thank Uh you very much Thank you. Thanks, Sally.